0: You know how some people want to invest in real estate, but they don't know how? Oh, yeah. And you know how some people want to invest in real estate, but they don't have the time? Oh, yeah. And you know how some people want to invest in real estate, and they simply don't want to do all that work? Oh, yeah. Do you know someone like this? Mm Mm-hmm. Perhaps that someone is you? Uh, yeah. If so, subscribe to the Turnkey Real Estate Investing podcast. The show for busy people who want to invest in real estate but don't have the time or the desire to take on the heavy lifting. Turnkey Real Estate Investing. Subscribe today, it's free. Yeah. Turnkey Real Estate Investing. This is terio Media. broadcasting from terrio studios in glendale california it's time for epic real estate investing with matt terrio Uh, hello and welcome to epic real estate investing the place where i show people how to escape the rat race using real estate now if you're just getting started or and or i guess You're looking for new and creative ways of making money in real estate. What I've done is I put together a free course just for you, including a checklist on how to find motivated sellers. What's a motivated seller? Well, they're property owners that are willing and able to sell you their property at a discount. And why would they do that? Why would would people sell property at a discount? Well, they've got some sort of thing going on in their life that has them motivated. It's some sort of issue where they're looking for some peace of mind and motivated sellers will exchange equity for peace of mind all day, every day and twice on Sunday. So to access the checklist, to find motivated sellers like that, motivated sellers that are willing and able to sell you their property at a discount, go to freerealestateinvestingcourse.com. freerealestateinvestingcourse.com. All righty. Let's see what do we got today. The epic intensive video production coming along nicely. It should be done any day now. So if you missed it, if you missed the live event and you want to capture the videos, those are available if you'd like to order the videos from this past Epic Intensive Strategies for a Shifting Market. We went over so many of those different strategies of what, how, what you can implement into your business and make an impact immediately. And a lot of the stuff are just small little tweaks to what you've probably already doing right now that are going to have a significant impact. Small little tweaks for maximum impact. And those videos are going to be available at 50% off they're actually available right now at 50% off for the pre-sale at epicintensive.com go to epicintensive.com grab those videos they will not be up forever i promise you that and they'll be up for even a shorter period of time at 50% off so go there get it if that's what you need right now just to make some small tweaks small price to pay small investment to make into your business for a significant impact our bottom line has virtually been unaffected in this shifting market and what we're doing is revealed inside of those videos at that event, and it's all been recorded. So it's there for you at epicintensive.com. All righty. Oh, and, and speaking of the Epic Intensive, I've still got a bunch of questions left unanswered. I didn't get to them all last week, but I've got five here that all revolve around creative deal structuring, creative real estate investing. So I thought, let's create a creative real estate investing-themed episode out of those questions. As you know, every time I put the words, it's really funny, every time I put the words creative real estate investing in the title of an episode, the download numbers just skyrocket. For some reason, that is a very appealing subject for most real estate investors. And since I created this small little empire over here with, you know, starting with $0 and a terrible credit score, you know, creative real estate investing, that's all I really had access to it it's what i know now because i just had no choice i couldn't do it any other way i couldn't do it any other way but to get creative and i love that part that it's what you want to hear the most because it's what i love talking about the most so let's talk about that some more today all righty so let's go through these questions let's see this one is uh keith allen 52 out of edmond oklahoma how do you compete when other investors are paying too much for properties Great question. How do you compete when other investors are paying too much for properties? Well, Keith, I, I got a great answer for you. It depends. It, it's got, that's going to be a big it depends because that's probably who knows why they're paying too much for the property, how they're paying too much, what their intent is, what their extra strategy is going to be, what's their purpose going to be, you know, what is their use of that property going to be. So if I were noticing this trend in my market, of which I am a bit. But uh, to answer your question so that it it actually helps you and it relates to you, here's what I would do. I would watch a few properties of which I lost out on due to my competition paying a higher price. A lot of times you're gonna go research and of those properties that you lost out on because someone paid a higher price, a lot of those don't actually follow through all the way to escrow. A lot of those things don't close, all right? So uh, what I would do is I, I would follow those uh, properties to see what happened and if they did close then I would start looking at okay what was their exit strategy what was their what was their goal here what what was their mission or their motivation what was their plan for this are they holding on to them were they still able to fl- uh, uh, flip those properties quickly were they able to wholesale it somewhere really quickly so maybe the market has shifted and it, it's the prices have gone up and you didn't even notice so you could pay more yourself if they and flip it quickly still, if that's what you're up to, um, so what did they do with it? Did they flip it quickly, or did they add square footage to the property? Did they do something to increase the value somehow and then resell it? Did they change the property's use? You know, did they take take it from you know a residential to maybe a multifamily or a duplex or fourplex, or did they take it to commercial, whatever it may be, or are they just sitting on it? Are they just, did they just buy it and sit on it? Is it just sitting there rotting? Who knows? You know, studying your competition that can give you some great insight on what there is for you to do in your business. Now, I'm I'm noticing that we are certainly paying more for properties, but um, I'm, it hasn't been enough of a problem yet for me to go out and do that. But I, I'm getting close. Some of the some of my markets, I'm going to start looking at that. But. What I'm finding myself right now, uh, I'm selling a lot of my properties with seller financing. I'm selling with seller financing. So the properties that I'm getting under contract, I'm reselling those on, with, with seller financing. And what this is allowing me to do is to, it's allowing me to pay more for properties because I don't need that big giant equity hit. So I'm able to get, still keep my deal flow flowing. And I'm, so I'm able to create um, create some instant cash you know, so, I still make some some cash right now, not as much as I was getting, say, a year ago, but I'm still getting cash. But I'm also able to create some monthly cash flow through arbitrage. So, whatever I'm, I'm buying at, I'm selling at higher terms. So, some of those things are seller finance deals that I'm purchased, and some of them are all cash. So, depending on what it is, ask for a bigger down payment. I get most of my cash back out, and I've created some cash flow for myself with really great returns. It's really great ROI doing it that way. Um, and then if you don't have the money to buy the property, great opportunity because of the ROI that you can create. You know, you can pay, you can pay a, a, a good chunk of money on money that you would borrow for, through your private channels. You know, if, um, and Uncle Joe's got you know fifty grand to give to you for you to go take down this house, and he's gonna, um, and you're going to. Take that 50 grand to buy the house. Let's see, let's, let's, let's work with some real numbers, just a real good example. Say uh, you need 50 grand to buy the house. So you buy that house for 50 grand, you're going to give Uncle Joe 10% on his money. Joe, Uncle Joe can't get 10% anywhere else on 50 grand. But you can go and resell that property for 60 grand, right? Sell it for 60 grand. And say you sell it for 11%, 12% to another cash flowing investor, or um, you, you go ahead and maybe you just match that that term of 10%. So now you're paying Uncle Joe 10% on 50 grand, you're collecting 10% on 60 grand, and then maybe you ask for five grand down. So now you've got this little arbitrage between the 50 and the 55, so you get to keep the difference there, and you also pulled 5,000 bucks out of it and put it in your pocket as well. So that's just an example. It's quick and dirty math. I did not really think that out, but that's the concept, okay? so. Those are That's one thing that we're doing here. And and I guess the other, I guess the big caveat here is that if people in your market are beating you out of properties because they're paying too much, one other thing you might want to look at, is there a big player in town? Is there someone big in town with deep pockets that's buying up the place? I mean, I'm pretty sure this has slowed down quite a bit everywhere. I mean, it might be still working in some areas, but, but after the collapse of 2000, 2008, 2007, 2008, you know, Wall Street entered the real estate game and started buying as much as they could, what was seemingly with no regard to price. They had no problem paying full market value, maybe even a little bit more. They had a plan. They could, they had deep enough pockets to, to just sit on those properties and wait it out. And if that's happening in your market, then, you know, that's kind of tough to beat. Maybe you have to change the types of properties that you're buying. So you don't want to buy the same types of things that they're buying because they had a very specific criteria that they were looking for. So maybe you go down into the lower income areas or maybe start dealing in luxury properties. And don't be afraid of luxury properties or the higher price properties. It's all the exact same work, same types of discounts and same types of, all the moving parts are very much the same. So those are the different things that I would look at. Uh, definitely if it's becoming an issue, Start following a few of those properties that you're losing out on to see what they're doing. And then second thing is, you know, maybe buying properties at a deep discount and flipping it in the next seven days. That's a strategy that might not be working right now. So you just change your strategy. There's lots of different options. Wholesaling properties is not your only option. And look, I'm I'm even sitting here assuming that's what you're doing. I don't even know if that's what you're doing, but I know a lot of people are really hot on the wholesale game because it seems like easy money. It doesn't take any money to do or very minimal money to to turn really good profits and do that frequently. And a lot of people making a lot of money for the last few years doing that. Well, every strategy doesn't work in every single market. And if the market is shifting, then you might have to start analyzing your strategy. But there is a strategy there for every market to make good money in real estate, okay? So... That would be my thought on that. Hopefully, uh, Keith, that helped out a little bit and gave you some insight. Next question, Wesley, 34, out of Vancouver, Washington. Is there a specific way you market for seller finance or subject to type deals? And if you do, how? So is there a specific way I market for those types of deals? The answer would be no, I don't. Uh, I imagine you could, but I think it would be really expensive, I think, to target like that. I don't think it would necessarily be the most predictable of outcomes as it seems like it might be, and I think a well-rounded real estate investor uh, would be leaving money on the table doing that. And, and here's what I mean: when you're marketing, you know, as much as you want to like focus on, say, uh, you know, single-family residents, three-bed, two-bath within two or three-mile radius of your primary residence that are owned by absentee owners, that would be pretty focused. Um, Still, just because that, that's the criteria doesn't mean those are going to be people that want to sell your property at a discount. So even when you start focusing in on that and narrowing in on, on demographics and certain criteria, at the end of the day, the strategy is the same. You're throwing a bunch of spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. It's shotgun marketing, right? You're sending out 5,000 postcards hoping to land two or three deals. And just think about those numbers. There's 4,997 of those postcards did not turn into a deal that was spaghetti that did not stick against the wall. There's just those three postcards that did, or those three noodles that did. So um, you still, you, my point is you just don't know what you're gonna get. And uh, you, you never know what problem that seller on the other end of the line is gonna have. So I subscribe to the philosophy of just be ready for anything. Be a well-rounded real estate investor. Um, have multiple tools in your tool belt or your toolbox and be be able to handle anything cuz you know you could market for subject 2 uh, deals properties with with high uh, with high mortgages on them cuz thinking they might be less uh, they might be inc- more inclined to do a subject 2 or there's going to be less competition there. I know people that have done that or have thought about doing that and I just you know the the information on on that type of stuff it's not always the most dependable type of information. And even out of there, you're still going to come across properties that are owned free and clear. And so what are you, just not going to turn those down, right? And then you're going to market for properties that are free and clear and you're going to come across great subject to opportunities. So you don't want to turn those down either. So my my advice is just become a well-rounded real estate investor. Be able for, be ready for anything. Be ready for a fix and flip. Be ready for a wholesale. Be ready for a buy and hold. Be ready for a lease option. Be ready for a subject to. Be ready for some sort of creative rapid with seller financing or something like that. Just be ready for it because whatever opportunity comes your way, you're going to be able to seize that opportunity. And when you're doing this type of marketing, this shotgun marketing, you just never know what you're going to get. And you would like to be able to capitalize on those opportunities, then you know, even if you, know, you end up wholesaling a deal and that's not your main strategy, hey, that wholesaling might have paid for your marketing for the next two months, right? So you want to be able to do that. So that's my advice. Or the answer to your question is, no, I don't specifically market for those types of deals. And that is why. Just be ready for anything and you'll be fine, okay? You don't have to worry about it so much. Don't overthink it. Uh, Josiah Wilson, 30, out of Buda, Texas. When you do a seller of finance and have monthly payments... Do you use a third party to manage the payments to the seller or do you keep it in house? Good question. Um, yes, I do use a third party management company to manage the payments. Um, just like property management, you know, collecting money from tenants, putting tenants in there, collecting money from tenants or collecting payments from the people that I that are holding my notes or that uh, are paying my notes, not the highest and best use of my time. I don't want to be a bill collector. I don't want to do a paper pusher, be a paper pusher. I don't want to shuffle all that stuff. So I hired a third-party um, company to do that. There's a lot of them out there. Just uh, go and Google Note Servicing, and you'll find all kinds of options. I think we use Note Servicing Center. That's the name of the company, Note Servicing Center. Uh, their website, I believe, is... If you type in Note Servicing Center, their website comes up, but I think the actual domain is like is sellerloans.com, I think, sellerloans. That's who we use, but there's a bunch of different ones out there. All right, so uh, yeah. I don't know. I just don't want to be on the phone chasing down payments. I don't want to be doing the accounting and entering that into the books. And I don't want to be shuffling all the paper either. I let somebody else do that. And I think I think we just pay like 1%. I think it's not even like it's not even like property management. It's a very, very small percentage, and that's a good exchange for me to have my time back and to do what I want to do. And that's not pushing paper. All right, so uh, great question. Thank you. Tony Thorne, 42, out of Roscoe, Illinois. Uh, when you buy a house with seller financing, how do you come up with the interest rate and terms for that deal? Great question, Tony. So when I buy a house for, for seller financing, how do I come up with that price in terms of that interest rate in terms for the deal? Well, again, here's the answer. It, it depends. It's a little bit different each time. And it depends on where the seller's head's at, why they're selling, and it depends on where their they're head's at with regard to the price that they want. You know, you've heard me say this several times that you can make a deal out of everything as long as you can control the price or the terms. You can control both. Hey, great. But if you can control the price or the terms, you can create a deal. So if uh, I'm going to be working with terms, if I'm trying to come up with an interest rate in terms, that means the seller is probably pretty set on their price. So I need to know with what they want their price. And and so, you know, typically once I know their price or their price range, I'm just going to sit there using the calculator or one of the analyzers in the Epic Pro Academy, I pretty much use the, the three-option letter of intent calculator for everything. Um, so I'll just play with that, and I'll play with the terms, I'll play with the down payment, I'll play with the interest rate until I come up with an ROI. So I keep messing with those numbers, and I watch the ROI, how it impacts the, the uh, return on investment, until I find one that's acceptable. I make sure that I play with those terms in a way that It's something that I would be willing to hold if they accepted that that option. So, you know, like I said, as long as you control the price or the terms, you can create a deal for yourself. And, you know, sometimes it's just not so obvious. (laughs) So uh, I just play with it, I guess. It's not very scientific sometimes. So it's just through trial and error. I play with those calculator and I hit refresh. And every time I do that, a new ROI comes up and I said, does this work? No, let's adjust this one. Does that work? No, that, that doesn't work. Does this work? Oh, this one works. So let's just leave it there. Right. And then once I find it there, then I, if if I feel based on what the market is paying, like, like right now the bank's paying 1%, 2%, right? They're not even 2%. They might be paying 1% interest rate on the money that you, you store there. Or if you are going to go get a loan, a mortgage loan, you know, you can get down to three and a half. You got a really great credit score, probably around four, four and a half for an investment property. So as long as I know what the market's doing and I know what they could get, then you know if I came up in, in 10%, I could pay them 10% and that still made my numbers work, I'm not gonna offer 10%. So I evaluate what the market is doing as well. So I'll bring it down to say five or 6% because I know I, got, I can negotiate all the way up to 10%, but I'm gonna start with much lower to leave myself some room for negotiation. So based on, first, it's, the numbers gotta work for me. The ROI has to meet my minimum deal standards. Then once I go from there, now based off what I know the market is doing, can I come back even lower and make it more in my favor? That's my line of thinking. All righty. Good question. Uh, Greg, Greg Beachy, 50, out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Hello, Greg. Good to see you at the Epic Intensive. Um, is there a good strategy for subject to offers where the monthly payments are too high for good cash flow? Very good. Great question. So what Greg has asked me, when he gets a property uh, that has a mortgage attached to it and the mortgage payment is much higher than or higher than what the property would actually rent for. Like, so if you were to rent the property out, it wouldn't cover the mortgage payment. And we all come across a lot of those types of deals. And the first thing I wanna say is just because someone is willing to do that, doesn't mean you should take it. Okay, just because someone is willing to sign over their property to you and they're so motivated, it's like, here, take it. That doesn't mean you should take it. You still have to analyze if you can, um, if this is gonna be, meet your minimum deal standards, if it's gonna be a good deal for you. So in this scenario, Greg is asking if that uh, the monthly payment on the mortgage that is still with the property is if you can't rent that property to cover that mortgage at least is there a strategy there that you can execute? So the two that come to mind immediately, there may be more, but the two that come to mind right away is even if it won't cash flow, I would analyze it for uh, for its actual value compared to to the comps. You know, are you buying under market value? If you're buying over market value. And it won't cash flow. Probably not a deal. But you um, properties that that could have a mortgage higher than what they would rent for. You could still find scenarios where you're purchasing that property under market value. So if if that was the case, then you know you should be able to sell it to a resident owner. And uh, I would just kind of analyze well, uh, if it average days on market for something like this is going to be three months. Can I carry the mortgage for three months before I sell it? Or can I go sell it? Can I ask the seller to split that mortgage with me until I sell it? Maybe that's an option. Remember, you can get as creative as you want. Or maybe the seller just carries the note until I go find a buyer for it. You could do something like that. Um, so all those things, all those things work. Or, you know, uh, maybe you, the seller carries it for three months and then you carry it for for that point moving forward, um, splitting it, whatever. Okay. So that's one thing. If you're buying it under market value, can you sell it, and can you sell it in a reasonable amount of time to where it doesn't cost you too much money? You can still profit from it. I would analyze that. Look at the days on market. So if you have to carry that mortgage, you know how long is it going to take on average for you to sell it to recoup that mortgage that you're paying for the for the seller. The second strategy is, if you were to take over that mortgage, could you resell that property with seller financing and say wrap bigger terms around it? You know, even if it won't cash flow with the tenant. It may still cash flow with a resident owner that's purchasing the property. You know, depending on the market, the resident owner is usually willing to pay more than the going rent if it means they're going to work towards home ownership. So that's the other strategy that I'd be looking at. There may be something else that I'm missing, but because I'm so cash flow focused, I don't get too excited about these types of deals unless I can clearly see the exit strategy before I enter the contract. Alrighty? So that was fun. Let's do it again. What do you say next week? Same time, same place? Oh, real quick, before we shut it down today, quick reminder, pre-order the Epic Intensive videos. You can get those right now at 50% off at epicintensive.com. Okay, so until next week, God bless, and to your success, go to epicintensive.com and grab those videos for 50% off, epicintensive.com, and I will see you next week. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. hey You've been listening to Epic Real Estate Investing, the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the BS in real estate investing education. If you enjoyed this show, please take a minute to visit iTunes and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here at Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio.